0: Welcome to episode 117 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, it is going to be a mercifully shorter episode this week. It is. We're just doing one Batman Beyond episode. One bad Batman Beyond episode. Oh my God. Hey, hey, Mm -hmm. hey. But it does include the return of our favorite character. Charlie Big Dick Charlie. Charlie Big Dick Charlie. The (laughs) worst version of Two-Face you
1: could ever imagine. You guys, this is just... A Two-Face story It's just a Two-Face story but so yeah. bad
0: No, it's it's done terribly Like, I mean, obviously the best version is in fact Two-Face yes. Uh I'd say a, a good secondary to that would have been on The Batman Which was uh, Detective Bennett, which was Bruce Wayne's childhood friend, became Clayface Okay um, And that's a pretty good arc And like, Bennett's a good character uh, But yeah, this is just, this is just shit It's mm-hmm. a terrible design Terrible character, terrible episodes Great name, Great name. Charlie <laughs> Big Dick Charlie Here They really, really got that part down Yeah uh, But we do have like a little bit of news uh, first off Should we also talk about another ugly character with potentially really terrible show? Sure Which is of course Swamp Thing
1: Yes, Grumpy Cat, the series <laughs>
0: Yeah, so we're we're recording this super early, we're recording this on mm-hmm. Wednesday Because uh, Cameron's got to go out of town I do You bastard Yep, nah. in the family Nah, I get it Guess spend that family. So, mm-hmm. um, but, so the Swamp Thing teaser just came out today, mm-hmm. a little
1: hours ago. Yeah, so this is like
0: the freshest news you're ever gonna get from us.
1: Yeah, except for you're listening when to you listen to it, it'll be a week, yeah. <laughs> week off. Um, freshest news for us. Yes, the freshest take we could
0: give, uh, and it's bad. It, yeah, I mean it's it's very generic. It's just a swamp, and he
1: comes out of it. But as you put it very well, he looks like Grumpy Cat. He does, and it's it's very concerning. Uh, One, well, you mentioned beforehand that Swamp Thing's episode numbers were cut from 13 to 10.
0: Yeah, that just came out today as well. Uh, Um, And at least, like, some of the casting crew are pretty upset about it. They're, like, Virginia Mattson, who I forgot was in the show. Surprisingly, she's in the show, because she's a great actress. I mean, maybe it's good. Probably won't be. But, you know, she's not happy about it, obviously, because then it just... it, It undercuts the effectiveness. I mean, you had... Thirteen episodes. Clearly, you had a very specific story you're trying to tell, right? To then chop out almost a quarter of that is problematic, to a say the least. Bit.
1: Uh, but that's also just concerning for the yeah exactly the quality of the show. Yeah, uh, which neither of us were
0: probably going to watch anyways.
1: Yeah, and and also this this is the next show for the DC streaming service, but it's the one we've gotten the least of the least information about, and it's yeah. starting up in <clears throat> five weeks. Yeah. So. You know, we know more about the Harley animated series coming in December than we know about this. We know more, we've seen more about Stargirl than we've seen about this. This is the solo of DC Universe. I think it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, because one of the articles I read today was...
1: Maybe Christmas special?
0: Do we want to put it that low yet? Ooh, but I think when the Christmas special came out, people were super excited about it because they just wanted More Star any Wars. Star Wars content they could possibly get. That's
1: true. Because um, at that point, all they had was the original movie. For some whereas... reason, the executives think that's still how people think. Oh, God, I know. It just fucking baffles me. Any Star Wars is good Star Wars.
0: They seem to have changed their mind a little bit on that. Because it sounds like after uh,
1: The Rise of Skywalker... Ugh, we won't be getting any Star Wars movies for a while. Mm-hmm. But I think... Just three live-action TV series and one animated TV series. Uh, wait, what are the three live-action TV series? Uh, Mandalorian, the Cassian Andor... Oh, Cassian uh, Andor, Alan, right. Yeah, Alan Tudyk. Um, Did they it? announce the third one? I
0: feel like there's been rumors flying
1: around for years about
0: a Kenobi something. Okay, well, I guess officially two, two.
1: live-action TV shows and one animated.
0: But, like... That's not necessarily the worst thing, though. I, we haven't had a Star Wars live-action show yet. Oh, Old
1: Republic. That was the other one.
0: Oh, KOTOR. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't know if that's going to be a movie or if that's going to be a TV show, because mm-hmm. we know that uh, Ryan Johnson still has a trilogy he's working on, and the creators... The Game of, of Thrones Game Voice. of Thrones guys, yeah. So uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff um, are working on something, too. I think they're... M- Seemingly attached to the KOTOR project That seems to be the the rumor People could also just be speculating Because it's slightly more than Wheelhouse of Game of Thrones mm-hmm. But We know we're getting those um, But I mean I don't have a I don't know I think Star Wars might work well on TV Like I think it absolutely absolutely. We will. were just talking about the Gendy Tarkovsky Clone Wars animated series That was some people would say the best thing Star Wars I has ever I would say <laughs> the best thing Star Wars has ever made. It's, it's incredible, so good. And
1: even the, the CGI it gave show gave me was really good. love for Kit Fisto.
0: Oh, Kit Fisto. Yeah, because
1: he was he was a ripped a ripped water boy.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah, he's a ripped AF. He works much better in animation than he does in live
1: action. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, this was this was still practical effects. Yeah, when, he's when he's in a,
0: a squid dude suit.
1: Yeah, and so you can't make that look normal no matter how much you try.
0: Um, I bet Guillermo del Toro could do it. Guillermo could absolutely. He, yeah, he
1: basically did it twice already. Mm. Well, no, because they were still more humanoid. They didn't have the twelve tentacles from their head. I love that you know specifically it's twelve. Is I'm it actually twelve? Sure it's twelve or thirteen because you keep a ring on the ninth one to show that you've. For oh god, what is the reason? You you have a ring on this. one of the tentacles for you some reason. I, I researched this years ago. I wish I was still up on my Star Wars knowledge. Okay,
0: looking up Kit Fisto here. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't need all of that garbage biography. Are can, we gonna need another? Can we just get to course
1: corrections?
0: I, can we just get to the tentacles? <clears throat> here we go. Are they called tentacles? Or are they called something else. I don't know. Uh, but he's also oh, here We go. Oh, okay. Uh, with flexible tentacle tresses yes. extending from his head, and he has a height of 1.96 meters. Oh. Um, but I don't see anything else about the number of them or why he has a ring on one of them. So we can all look forward to another episode of Cameron's <laughs> Course Correction Cameron's later course on. Course But look, I mean, I think... I think Star Wars is in a good place in that regard. You know, we also got the the teaser trailer for season seven of the other clone war series, which looks looks great. Um that looks like it's gonna focus a lot on Ahsoka Tana, which I'm all for. She's an awesome character. Uh love to spend any more time with her that we can. Um I mean those look all good, but I think in terms of the, the DC universe stuff, you know, one of the worries with them cutting the episode order on Swamp Thing was that this might not be a good sign for DC universe as a whole. And obviously I hope it continues same because if you're a fan of this stuff, which we are and which if you're listening to this, most likely you are too. It's completely in your wheelhouse and for what you're getting, it's actually a pretty good price. Absolutely. And I, th- I feel th- I clearly pay for
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that everyone on this podcast clearly <laughs> that pays for both it. of us on this podcast pay for willingly. Um, yeah, because especially with, with the announcement <laughs> of Disney plus, um, we're going to have a lot more competition happening in the next two years. Yeah, Uh, Warner Brothers already has announced their plans of their their own streaming service, Mm -hmm. which is going to be uh, all of Warner Media, all of HBO, and all of Turner, Mm -hmm. because I didn't realize they're now under AT&T as well. Oh, yeah. Um, And because, you know, the, the idea for Disney, the reason they can put the streaming service out a little faster is because they're just building it around HBO, not HBO, around Hulu mm-hmm. and Warner can do the same thing, building it around HBO. Yeah. <clears throat> but I feel like that's such a bad idea because, you know, the, the interface of DC universe isn't the best, but no, they give you a lot more options, which is great. Cause you know, yes. you have movies, TVs, movies, TV, comics, and a, a forum for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, all that. i, mean, I get it. Like, I've, I've looked at it every now and then with the, the forum, and, and fans are very excited to talk to one another. Uh-huh. Um, and HBO is good because it, it knows how to handle a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, combine the two ideas. You know, use what you've learned through DC. Keep it up while you're, while you're learning.
0: Well, yeah, I hope they keep it going.
1: Yeah, because, as you mentioned, <laughs> very prominently at the beginning of this conversation uh that's the only way we can watch static shock right now (laughs) yes it's the only way we have to watch static still got to figure out zeta yeah separate thing
0: but i mean it's a good service and i think i mean it's easy for us to say this not being the people actually like running the numbers and all this but it seems like you're better off keeping that going with a dedicated fan base and watching to see how it works and how it doesn't and then use that to learn lessons going forward i mean this is one of the advantages i think Disney has is, yeah, they have Hulu, but also everyone's been able to watch Netflix and see what works for them and what doesn't. And Disney has the capital to then to maybe do something even better with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, keep
1: keep DC going for so as long as they can, at least. Here, here's my question for you, because mm-hmm. this is what I've been thinking a lot about with Disney+. Do you think for DC Universe, it was a bad idea to give us everything up front? Oh, yeah. Because um, we did see that huge drop-off Uh, right around when Titans was ending?
0: Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's... I mean, yeah, I guess... uh, It's hard to say because you're going to get people jumping in there and... Maybe they've already burned through the thing they were most excited about. Maybe they wanted to watch Batman A Minute Series. Maybe they wanted to watch Static Shock. Maybe there was one person on the planet who really wanted to watch the 1970s Shazam TV show. Yeah, I'm sure there
1: was. Probably was at least one person out there who wanted to see that. And there was that one guy who's like, there's no Zeta. (laughs) Cancel. (laughs) That would be Maddie, And also us. Yeah. Because we need
0: it. But I think it probably didn't help, one, they put everything up front. It didn't help that Titans was not good. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you got some drop-off there. It, I think it does help now that they've opened up their comics catalog to everything um, that's older than 12 months. I think that'll help keep people on board or maybe bring some more people back. Because um, now it basically just becomes their version of Marvel Unlimited. Plus mm-hmm. you get all the TV shows too, which is awesome. But it, it it might hurt them in the long run. So that's something you were concerned
1: with. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned with for Disney Plus. Because we're getting everything up front. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, they said not all Fox, but all Disney classics yeah. are going up day crazy. one. crazy. That's insane. It's crazy. Um, <clears throat> now, do you think with Disney, they're going to make it hard to share
0: the platform? Maybe that's why they priced it so low. Um, or they didn't announce anything about doing a like
1: family pack or anything like that. They have so, not announced anything So one like that. presumes
0: it's going to be kind of like a Netflix or an HBO where mm-hmm. you have a number of devices you can link to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I think it seems like a trap. It's too cheap. It's very, it's definitely too cheap. Yeah. Especially with how much content they're making for it. Yeah. But I think, you know, one of the reasons they can make it cheaper than Netflix is your, like they already own all that property. Yeah. That's true. So they're not, you know, your $7 a month is only going to make the new shows. Yeah. Yeah. And to just
0: support the platform. Mm-hmm. whatever that entails. But you're right, you're not paying to have a company license other properties. Yeah,
1: so I, I had this idea for a, a how to handle a streaming service like Disney, mm-hmm. and I'm curious your take on it. So okay. instead for movies, not, not including TV, show, TV shows, for movies, how would you feel if instead of getting everything up front, you had a monthly rotation, you'd get 20 to... I don't know how many movies Disney owns anymore, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll say just with animated, you'll get there's fifty no fifty six animated movies. 57. You should know this. I should know this. I can name them all. Um, <laughs> Let's pass. <laughs> we should do that as a bonus episode one day. Uh, well, Record it and fill it whenever we need some time. Uh, I'll round it up to sixty Disney animated films. <laughs> all right. So how would you feel if you got ten a month for free, and so that would. Because you're not going to watch more than 10 movies, in a, 10 Disney movies in a month. Um, and then that rotated every month. But at a discounted price, maybe $4, you could keep that content permanently. So like, if I'm a diehard Lion King fan and I don't want to wait for it to show up every six months, yeah, I can get it permanently and watch it whenever I want. And then that also opens up the idea for people to want to watch new content. It's like, oh, something that I didn't really want come out came out this month. But I remember someone saying, that looked okay, so I'll check that out. And then I'll get excited for next month because Tarzan's coming next month.
2: Mm.
1: Would that be too weird? I think it would get complicated. And
0: I think I would just get frustrated. Okay, <laughs> I'd be like, if I'm paying for this service, I just want it all there. Because um, I, I feel like now one of the hardest... Obstacles for an audience to get past is accessibility. Mm -hmm. Like FX, for example, makes a lot of great shows. They make it so fucking hard to watch their stuff that I just don't bother. Mm -hmm. Like if Disney were to go through that sort of like complicated roundabout thing, being like, oh, yeah, like you, it goes on rotation, so all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, you know what? I, I do just want to watch like Tarzan. All of a sudden, I'll go and look. I'm like, oh, I missed it by three days, and I have to wait. X number of months so Like well then Why the fuck Am I paying for this thing Like okay. why what, Now I'm lo- looking At the possibility Of having to like Go and buy it on iTunes Even though I'm already paying To have access to it
1: Well I think that's where The discounted price Would
0: come in Then I don't know Then it just gets I think it just gets complicated I, I, I see your point About the, the risk Of having it all up front Is that you People will dip out Once yeah, they've you, seen you What they want to Yeah you lose The casual fan base Yeah um, But I think that's worth those losses are worth keeping the people who just want to have that stuff all the time, like you or me, who will just
1: yeah, pay, I, mean, I will never pay that to have access to all of Disney stuff for the rest of our lives. <laughs> it's dangerous. I've been thinking a lot about this. It's very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I mean, that's that's the
0: thing. This is the new model, and on paper, it's great. You think about all the stuff you get access to for a relatively low price. But then when you break it down and be like, okay, maybe a Disney film on iTunes is going to be 20 bucks. So 20 bucks spent once versus $7 a month for an indefinite period of time mm-hmm. until whatever. I mean
1: the the monthly package was was like 56 for, no, more than that. It was like 70 for the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it was 6.99 a month or yeah, 69.99. Mhm.
1: Yeah. For nice. the whole thing. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to do it. <clears throat> I know yeah, we're going to do it. I mean, everyone's going to do it. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Is... I, I want the Mandalorian. I want Clone Wars. I want Loki. Yeah, and I think they're doing a great job um, diversifying the, the new content. So yeah. it's not just we're getting Disney stuff, and it's not just we're getting kids stuff, but we're getting stuff for, you know, they're targeting... Our audience, or our demographic, really well. They're still targeting the younger demographic. They're targeting the nat geo demographic. Which they're targeting the Jeff Goldblum demographic, I mean, who, which one might say is every, the is the biggest demographic. Everybody is a Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. But uh, so like they're they're smart and just because you know DC has the problem of they're playing with a much smaller pool. Yeah. And they have to keep they kind of have to keep everyone happy to keep moving forward. Yeah. Which is impossible no matter how big no matter how big or small. Yeah. Um, where Disney, you know, it's, one could argue the biggest net in the world of fans. Yeah. Um, so you, you don't have to keep, it, you, you can't keep them all happy, but if you throw enough new stuff, you're going to hit somewhere in that Venn diagram for everyone. It's true. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens yeah. going forward. And how much of our money is going to go to it?
1: Yeah. So much. We still have a couple months, so <laughs> I'm sure I will continue to talk about my, my excitement and fear for the Disney Plus. Oh well, it's, it's just big news, exciting stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, I did have one other piece of news, though. Okay. Uh, breaking news, almost, at this point, that the Halo TV show happening on Showtime has cast its Master Chief.
1: I, I just saw that, yes. Yeah,
0: so actor uh, Pablo Schreiber, who most people might know from Orange is the New Black.
1: Did you ever watch that? I watched the first season. Okay,
0: so you remember the, the security guard who everyone called, I think they called him porn Stash? Like tall, yes. lanky guy yeah, with a yeah, mustache? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the person you would necessarily expect to be cast as the Master Chief. Well, I mean, he has a helmet on the whole time. This is true. Um, but, I mean, he's a good actor. He also popped up in First Man, playing Jim Lovell. Okay. who Tom Hanks famously played, a course, in Apollo 13. Um, I don't know. I mean, Steven Spielberg's producing this. There's good people like uh, Otto Bathurst, who did Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful? Peaky Blinders. There you go. Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, he's attached to it. So, I mean, I, I don't know. And this is a series really that's good. been trying to
1: get legs for... Almost, oh, like, I'm going to say almost a decade. Well,
0: more than a decade. Because So Halo 3 came out in 2007. Oh, yeah, I forgot it was after
1: Halo 3, yeah. And there's
0: uh, a fantastic commercial, or maybe a couple commercials came out for Halo 3 that were done in like uh, live-action CGI mm-hmm. hybrid, and they were directed by Neil Blomkamp, if I recall. Because way back in the day, he was going to direct a Halo film with Peter Jackson producing. And it's bounced all around, gone all over the place, and now it's netted out to be... Steven Spielberg producing for Showtime.
1: Yes, I, I remember when they announced Spielberg was attached to it years ago. Yeah, um, <clears throat> were, yeah. You a, were you a Halo person? Did you play the games? I'm the worst first person shooter okay. there is. I I love video games except that genre. Except for first person shooters. Uh, my okay. roommate in college was obsessed with the game. He mm-hmm. he played it. You know, Halo three was his game. Halo two and Halo three were his game. Oh yeah. Um. But because of that, whenever I tried to play, uh, he was just at that level where it wasn't fun for me. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. That's me now playing anything. Yeah.
0: I, just, I don't care enough. But I, I love Halo. I mean,
1: I love this. I enjoy the story. It's I a mean, great it's story. It's um story, yeah.
0: And um, like, this is such a weird recommendation, but
1: the books are actually really good. Okay. Like, it seems weird. I remember, I feel like the first three Comic-Cons I went to, someone always gave me a Halo book. And so I own a, a couple. Yeah, and there's a lot of them, and I, I kind of stop reading at a certain point, and I think the mythology just keeps
0: getting more convoluted as they create more stuff around it. Yeah, um,
1: that's that kind of what happens. Yeah, it's
0: pretty much always what happens. But certainly, like the first three books are really good. So there's the Fall of Reach, mm-hmm. which basically charts the backstory of all of the Spartan soldiers when like they're first, um, basically kidnapped as children and like inducted in this program through the early missions, early contact with the Covenant. Uh, leading up to them all leaving Reach when it gets bombed, when it gets taken out by the Covenant. And there's the, the novelization of the
1: first Halo game, which Wait, also the, really the good. guys from the Covenant are in this? What? Do you remember the movie The Covenant? The Covenant? <laughs> I mean,
0: oh, we, uh, Sebastian Stan? Uh, yeah, Sebastian Isn't Stan that, and, uh, and uh,
1: Tyler... Taylor... Taylor Huch- uh, No. No, 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 Friday Night Lights. Shane's favorite boy. T- oh, t- Oh, Taylor Hitch? Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: I've never, I've never actually seen that movie That does not surprise me um, But I remember its existence it's... Because uh, confused teenage Chris uh, Definitely remembered all the trailers with so much shirtlessness It's... Ta- uh, yeah, Taylor Kitsch, Sebastian Stan, and Chase Crawford Are all like the mm-hmm. major names and then who's, who's Steven Strait? He's the main guy Has he been anything
1: else? I don't think so Not
0: really doesn't look like it. Oh, he was in Ten Thousand BC. No one saw he's that in movie. This guy hot. Oh, oh, he's was born
1: in peace. Oh, that's right. Um, uh, I've never, I've never seen that. I should go watch it though. That would be. It's uh, it. I mean, it definitely falls in the category of amazing bad movies. I, it's so bad. I feel like that would make a good Gate Ford episode. I think it would. <laughs> but but the thing is, it's so like. It takes the, Zach, or, uh, the, the Zack Snyder grunge mm-hmm. and just dials it up to an unwatchable level. Oh, I mean, this is
0: pre Zack Snyder. It is pre Zack Snyder. More or less. Pre, yeah. I mean, it was pre 300. So, like, this is maybe Zack
1: Snyder saw this. Like, yes. I don't. This aesthetic is what I need going forward. I honestly don't think there is a scene with a sun in it in the entire movie. It's either night. Or it's very cloudy. Monochromatic homoeroticism. Yes. The Zack Snyder aesthetic. Yes. (laughs) And I just remember the soundtrack. Like, 2006, Cameron, like, this was my, like, this was, like, this is the soundtrack of my life. Um, Oh, my God. And it's just so wonderful. All right. I got to go. I got to go. I I will definitely watch this movie again with you. Oh,
0: Rennie Harlan directed it. Uh, Mm. He directed Die Hard to Die Harder. Oh, my gosh. I know. so fantastic. To die, um, too harder. Yeah. But, I, no, I mean, I'm excited for a Halo show. Bring it on. So, but anywho, any other major news topics? Or should we, should we jump into our lone episode of Batman this week?
1: Uh, just very briefly, because I like my analogy. Uh, we got the final Dark Phoenix trailer this morning. Oh, yes, we um, did. Which looks like <laughs> it's the worst parts of Fantastic Four mixed with the <laughs> worst parts of X-Men. And so, so true. What can we expect? I think
0: the the final Dark Dark Phoenix trailer was released today, and the world let out a collective
1: "meh." Uh, <laughs> Look, we're gonna see it. I, I honestly can't wait to see it. I can't wait we're, to see how bad it is. We're gonna see it. We're gonna shit on it. Yeah, it's gonna be a great time. Because for this year, Hellboy his Hellboy is definitely holding up the bottom rung, uh, and we're gonna see see if this can do what worse. can dethrone that. <laughs> Well, I have full faith in the X-Men to do that. Yes.
0: It's their primary mutation mm-hmm. being fucking terrible. But anywho. Let's let's get into Charlie Big Dick Charlie. Charlie Big Dick Charlie. His return. I'm going to be honest. I was barely paying attention to this episode. Yeah. Was, I, I was doing the rest of my notes for everything else while kind of watching this in the background. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the general thing here is... Charlie's back. He's working with some other guy named Major, who considers himself like a criminal mastermind. Spoiler alert: He's not. Charlie's unhappy that he's not being uh, given the sort of intellectual respect mm-hmm. he thinks he deserves. Well, he's, he's
1: not. Um, he he was promised a partnership. Yeah, but he's being treated as a henchman because he's dumb. He's big and dumb. Yeah, and he's yeah he's just big, dumb, and strong. He's he, he's bane from the the live action pain. oh from Batman and Robin yeah. yeah I mean I guess I guess he's kind of clever because he knows how to manipulate people he knows how to ma- manipulate Terry and just Terry yep yeah you're right actually <laughs> he doesn't get his way with anybody else yeah just with Terry mm-hmm. but we see an interesting side of Bruce in this episode ah yeah. because yes. this is the first time that I can remember where Bruce doesn't want Terry to act. That's true, yeah, because the, the call comes in over the, the radio, and Bruce says, leave it to the cops, mm-hmm.
0: which is crazy, because, like, what are the cops supposed to do with... Right, when has Bruce ever trusted the cops? Yeah, I mean, I get it's Barbara, but we're also talking about, like, Charlie Big Dick Charlie. Like, he, he's kind of dumb, but he's still super strong. Yeah. He can, like, flip over an armored truck and shit. Like, mm-hmm. the cops can't handle that. He can knock
1: out the bat suit. Ooh, that's true, actually, He does yeah. that once. <laughs> he could frazzle the bat suit. yeah. Which, honestly, I feel like if you're looking at a screen through those goggles, glasses, Mm -hmm. I feel like you're definitely, you know, that's not a smart thing. Maybe that was, ooh, maybe that was implemented because of um, Spellbinder. What, the... Where he's not actually looking through the suit, there's a screen, Iron Man style. That was always the case, though. Oh. Because even in the Spellbinder episode, that
0: first one... Terry fights him because Bruce becomes his eyes, mm-hmm. right? So Terry's mind is seeing things wrong, but the suit is capturing the visuals accurately. Yes. So there's always been the vid link. Plus, I think even in no, no, no not,
1: not the vid link. The the uh, inside the Bat suit, we see when Charlie to Charlie slams Terry, uh, like right. the, like the. Like, he, like the screen is fuzzy for Terry, yeah. not for Bruce.
0: But, I mean, that POV shot, though, of the, the framed lenses through which Terry looks, that's been around since season one. I mean, that's been around since, since Spellbinder. That was part of Spellbinder. Okay. Like, when, when we were seeing things from Terry's perspective at any point in the show, we always see it with that framing. And, like, the Spellbinder episode, like Terry's seeing all the hallucinations, but then we also get glimpses of what it actually looks like in reality. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but that's in his head,
0: not through the visor. But I'm saying that existed before Spellbinder. Yes, okay, okay. Like, the suit was always designed this way, that sort of Iron Man style, mm-hmm. which it's not really the best idea. It's now, dumb. Is it?
1: Yeah. It's very dumb. Because, like, the suit has a lot of problems. It gets knocked out a lot, especially yeah. in this later season. So when that happens... And constantly gets ripped apart. You are blind. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, where is the camera? What if someone just covers it up? I mean, where's the camera in the Iron Man suit? That's true. Yeah. We're, yeah. Where's are we're, the bat suit makes no goddamn sense. Do you think Tony? I mean, I know Tony does this. He, he makes the camera a little bit higher than his eye line so he can feel taller. Not not much. Not not to a disorienting level. Right. Just like like two inches. But I mean, beyond the lift he's already getting from wearing around perpetual rocket boots. Yeah. He, you know, he can make those boots thinner if he wants. But he, he enjoys the height. Yeah, he enjoys feeling taller, you know, especially when Thor came in with his like eight foot godliness. Mm. Um, he's he, like the next suit had like an extra, an extra level of platform. He's like, oh no, there, there, it's a, it's an extra boost in my, in my jetpack. The the Mark Eight had just a, a slightly larger heel in it. <laughs> Did t- Tony, is that a, is that an actual heel? <laughs> no, no, it's where the, it's where the thruster is. The stilettos. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they are. It's I mean, fun. Tony, you look, you look good. <laughs> They're tactical stilettos. Yeah. A la Catwoman. It, it, makes, it makes the butt of your metal suit look fantastic. Oh, yeah, which that also has padding in it, too. Oh, yeah.
0: I think, I think all that suit has a little bit of extra padding there mm-hmm. just to show off.
1: I mean, I get it. He's an older gentleman. It's hard to maintain that kind of physique. Yeah. Especially when you got fucking Cap and Thor running around. I would love... Every time he met a new person, he would just make the suit have an attribute of theirs, but better. And so he <laughs> made when he first meets Strange, he makes a better goatee on on the Iron Man suit. Yeah, it's a prehensile cape. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like he builds in a shield. He builds in a hammer. Yeah, builds in a bow and arrow. Builds in a puts a, a metal six pack on it. <laughs> it just gets heavier and heavier. <laughs> Poor Tony. He's so... Poor Tony. He's just... He's so neurotic and insecure
0: all the time. Um, but yeah, so Charlie is able to, to frazzle the suit. And then he decides that he wants to start his own crew. So he has Terry kidnapped by a crew yeah. that he already has. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so they, it, it sounds like... <clears throat> it's not that he wants his own crew. He wants his own partner. Yeah, because the major continues to bring in people that he likes to work with, that I assume are just other crime bosses. Yeah, um, where Charlie Big Dick is is like, hey, you know, I have friends too. Like, why can't I bring my friends in? Um, he's like, because you're a fucking idiot. He's like, no, I'm not. I'll I'll prove it to you by bringing in one of my friends who's definitely not Batman. Right, and then who doesn't immediately try and escape? Yeah.
0: Yeah, because they they kidnap Terry and he loses the bat suit, so now Max has it. Mm -hmm. And Terry gets taken to Charlie Big Dick Charlie's hideout, where
1: Charlie's like, Hey,
0: it's all the stuff we wanted when we were kids. You see those
1: three video games in the corner? Yeah, we we used to play those things. We have arcade consoles. We got got still a ski ball.
2: (laughs) You know what this is. We got
1: a pool table. You know what this is. It's just the worst bachelor pad. No, I was gonna say this is Charlie having his blank check moment. It is. It absolutely (laughs) is. Because you see, you see, Major counting all his money, and clearly Charlie already spent all his money. Yeah, on video game consoles, <laughs> just immediately. And yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely yes.
0: Yeah, but Terry, of course, isn't having it, and then immediately escapes. And when he does, the the henchmen try and like take him out in the most conspicuous way possible. Like, they're firing a laser rocket launcher. Yeah, they're firing a goddamn laser bazooka out the window of what seems to be like a fairly high end hotel room. So, it's probably in a relatively popular, nice part of town. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to town firing shit left and right. Now, admittedly, this is Gotham.
1: Yeah, this isn't new.
0: This happens everywhere, all the time. But no matter what, the cops are eventually going to show up. Right. They had a long time, too. They did have a long time, and I'll at least give the show credit for acknowledging that. Because the show often won't do that. They'll just have people firing left and right, and no one even talks about it. But mm-hmm. at least this time, the manager's like, hey, we need to leave. We were just shooting guns at the window. The yeah. cops will show up.
1: And they do. Yeah. Well, he says, yeah. Because he, he makes the difference of like the horde of cops that do show up, and kind of a cop just coming to check out the situation.
0: Yeah. Because Charlie goes to Terry, and... Well, so Charlie chases down Terry and eventually captures him. And rather than kill him or the shit out of him, he's like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get out, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of trapped. Um, will you help me? He doesn't even ask for help. Terry just offers it. Yeah. He's like, look. Terry, good guy, Terry. Terry, oh, the good old good guy, tiny Terry. He's like, look, I work for Bruce Wayne. He's got some pull. We can get you some scientists that get you cured we can help find you a job. Like, I'll do this for you. You just got to give up everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie does. And then all the cops show up to arrest the major. And then he's like, ah, oh, I was just tricking you, Terry. I don't want to go clean. I don't want to get cured. I'm awesome. People respect me because I have power. Yeah. Yeah. All
1: those, all those henchmen, they're now my henchmen, even though they all just got arrested. It's so They're still mine. So- I've definitely thought this through. <laughs> Beautiful plan,
0: yeah. So then, what happens at that point? Oh, it's like Uh, he tries
1: to attack Terry, yeah. And then Bruce comes and hits him with the limo. So
0: Bruce can drive,
1: yeah. Let's just point this out with the limo that looks very conspicuously like the new Batman Adventures Batmobile. Also very true. (laughs) It identical. (laughs) I mean, I guess we actually have never noticed that before. I because I don't think we've ever seen a. A uh, bird's eye view shot of the bat of the limo. Maybe not, because it it's it's the, it's the same thing. It's he just remodded the Batmobile. Well, actually, I think I think it was last
0: episode and one of the parts of the call. I want to say it was Bruce takes a call from Terry and he's working on the Batmobile in the garage.
1: Is it this one? Is it is it? No, so it's he
0: it's, can... it's he's working on the original Batmobile. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he cleverly just modeled it. It's probably like the grandson of the guy of the mechanic who built the original one. It's like, hey, can you just build me this limousine? Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a very particular aesthetic.
1: Have a look. <laughs> I don't want you to ask any questions, but it looks surprisingly like the Batmobile that your grandfather definitely did not build. For definitely me. did not build for me. Don't worry about the blueprints <laughs> that say his name. Don't worry about the Bat emblem on the steering wheel. Yeah, that's just it's it's my my family crest. <laughs> Don't worry about the thruster pack on the back Mm -hmm. It's fine The machine guns, you know Safety, Gotham's a scary place Ejector seats It's all good You know, it's when, you know In case I have a heart attack And I need to make it to the hospital as fast as possible I need an ejector seat
0: Yeah Now, have we seen that thing fly? Because it's a hover car But I feel like a lot of the hover cars in this universe Are also capable of full-on flight Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've seen that with this one,
1: right? Uh, no, but I assume he has a few limos. Yeah. Because I think this is not the same, um, limo that we, that we saw in the Ace episode. Uh, oh, like the, the old one, like the flashback? Mm-hmm. I think it is. No, because the, um, because the, the driving console is farther back in the car. Because the other one looked like a normal car. And this one, the, um, I want to say cockpit, but I know that's not the right word. I don't I'm going to keep the same driving console. Like, the dash? Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's the same It's The, the same front of the limo. car is longer in this one. That's why no. it... Okay. I'm pretty sure it's the same one. Because mm.
0: then there was, in the... Uh, out of the past episode, he's driving the old wheeled car. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure it's the same limo. Mm.
1: Mm. We'll see. We'll have someone. What, one of time. us is going to have to do a
0: course correction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I suspect it'll be you.
1: Well, I already have enough to talk about. <laughs> That's true.
0: You have enough amends to make. Uh, but one of the things I did like, though, is you know, Max has the suit when Tara gets kidnapped, and so she calls. She vid Bruce at this point because they're
1: pals, I guess. Yeah, they talk all the time.
0: Yeah, and uh, he's like, "Okay, like I'll be there in a minute to pick up the suit." And then he hangs up, and she opens it, and I'm like, "Oh, she like just put on the mask even." And Bruce calls her back immediately. Don't put on the suit. Don't put it on. Don't even think about it. Love that moment from mm-hmm. him. Uh, but, yeah, Bruce goes and hits Big Dick Charlie with his car and then throws the bat suit to Terry. Terry puts it on. A fight ensues. They end up on the bridge. And then Big Dick Charlie falls into the water in what I'm sure would not kill him.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't know it's water. It it was just nothing. I mean, they were, o- they were on... Maybe Gotham's... Maybe future Neo-Gotham is, <laughs> is a hovering city.
0: It might be. I still think he would survive it. Like, he got hit by a fucking car. Yeah. Like, mere minutes before that, and was totally fine. I don't think that fall would have killed him. But also, if it did, that's fine, because this is a terrible
1: character, and I'm glad to see him go away. And it continues the streak of Terry murdering all of his villains. That's
0: true. He doesn't even try and save him. Yeah, not even a little bit. He just lets him go. But, I mean, really, is it a big loss? No. I think we're okay with it.
1: I mean, we, we will miss saying Charlie Big Dick Charlie... But that's okay if we never have to watch these Never have to the watch end. these episodes. It's
0: it's so bizarre that this character exists the way it does. Because mm-hmm. there is some potential here. I feel like we even talked about this last time. Like the idea of having a
1: villain connected to Terry's past, someone who feels guilty about... I mean, it's a Two-Face thing. It, it's just Two-Face. Yeah, I honestly feel like the character model was drawn first. And then on its way to animation, like someone might have spilt coffee on it. And just like <laughs> that just, whole... It, it that ran whole a little left, bit? Yeah, that whole <laughs> left side. Um, they're like, I think this is what they meant. Yeah. And they were too far into production. Like, what is this monster? Like, that's not what I drew. Like, well, we've already animated the whole thing. I was like, the, fuck. Okay, fine, we'll do All it. Right. But it, it's just... It's disappointing
0: because this show has proven that it can do really great character design. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the major villains. So blight, ink, shriek, spellbinder. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the golem is not only a major villain, but like the golem looks awesome. The redo on freeze looks great. Um, even the stalker mm-hmm. has like a cool distinct aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else. Those are all kind of the major ones. Even, even fucking mad Stan, <laughs> good old mad Stan. Like, you know, they've done a pretty good job for the most part about designing their characters and at least giving them something kind of interesting to go with, right? I think...
1: And Ink, having motivation.
0: Yeah, like, Ink is the most fleshed out, obviously, because she has the most appearances. But, you know, even up until her last primary episode, we were getting kind of new twists and turns on her. I mean, she's definitely the closest to a classic BTOS villain arc as we've gotten. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Freeze episode is amazing. They do a great job with him. Um, You know, even... Shriek's motivation, you know, it's kind of always revenge-driven, but it shifts a little bit each time we see him. Um, you know, kind of the same with Spellbinder, too. Like, they're good, they're good about making the villains feel dynamic mm-hmm. from a design, from a character perspective. This is just such a weird waste. It's like a really grotesque design, a waste of some good potential. Mm-hmm. Why he's in it twice, I have no fucking clue. I, yeah,
1: I was very surprised when he popped back up in this episode. Well, because like, what, what does this add that the other episode didn't address. I mean, I think it it hardens Terry a bit. Okay. Like I know, unfortunately, there's only four episodes left, so we can't really play off of that idea. Yeah. Um, But I think it's, this is an episode, if they handled it better, it could have been um, Bruce seeing the situation and making sure Terry doesn't follow a path similar to his, where in actuality Terry just becomes more like Bruce at the end of this. Yeah. He becomes a little more cold, Yeah, a little more closed off to everyone around him, a little less trustworthy of everything. Um, <clears throat> and Bruce doing everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen. Actually, yeah, that would be really interesting
0: to mm-hmm. see Bruce try and save Terry from that sort of cynicism.
1: Yeah, kind of learning from Nightwing, like mm-hmm. how he handled the... Because, you know, he's had four other opportunities to make this better. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he knows what works, what doesn't at this point. And so, yeah, like, he knows. Because immediately he's like, hey, don't go to this. Don't, yeah. like, just come back, have the night off, do whatever. I think Dana's calling. Maybe you should go hang out with right, her. Right, yeah. Actually, that that would have been cool, yeah, if if he had
0: been going really far. Or maybe even if he had um, deliberately withheld that Charlie had escaped from Terry. Yeah,
1: Boom. almost make it a combination of Robin's Reckoning and Two-Face.
0: yeah. Yeah, that'd be a really good idea. like, mm-hmm. look, Bruce knows that Charlie Big Dick Charlie has escaped. Doesn't tell Terry, and he even tells her like, "Hey, like, take the night off." And Terry's like, "What?" Yeah, you've never, you, you've given me never ever given me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And everyone around him thinks it's great. It's like his mom's excited that he's home. Dana's is excited that he's there, um, and he can fight. Like he t- ask Max, like Max, like look into this. Something is is off, and mm-hmm. then she finds out what's going on, and yeah. then he has to run off. Um, and go, you know, back into the fray. And then he would have had some conflict around with Bruce which I think it's more interesting maybe than conflict with just Charlie.
1: Oh yeah. Cause I think that would have definitely put a big spike between him and Bruce. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce having to explain like, Hey, I've had friends go bad and there's no coming back from that fight. Yeah. Like it changes you. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, you know, that's my fight to have. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to make that decision for me. This is all great stuff. Yeah. God damn it. Bruce. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> why couldn't you have just hired us? Yeah, when we were <laughs>
0: children, yes. Look, like this was I think this, was 2000. this is 2000, yeah, yeah, so that was 11, seven. yeah. <laughs> we were precocious,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> we knew what we were talking about back then, we knew how to create drama, yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought this was
0: pretty, pretty subpar, pretty flat, yeah, yeah. it's definitely not gonna be on our short lists. We could definitely cut out Charlie Big
1: Dick Charlie from the critical canon here. Unfortunately, Charlie Big Dick Charlie is not going to make the cut. <laughs> Off he goes. Uh, any other thoughts on this? Uh, I think that's about it.
0: Okay. Uh, well, we're also going to do what I've been promising we would do for a while. We're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Captain Marvel again. Oh, that's right. Because I finally went and rewatched it yesterday. You did. Liked it much better. Much better the second time around. Good. Um, As did I. Yeah, I think... I. I also, I think the biggest problem with this movie is the first act. Mm-hmm. The first act is really boring. Like, it, It's kind of trying to dump us in in media res, but it's also having to fill in a, quite a bit of exposition. But it's, it's kind of like setting up the characters but not really giving us a lot of information because it's withholding all these mysteries. And it's also just visually just kind of drab and generic. Um, I don't think it actually really starts picking up until they get to Earth. Yes, absolutely. I think the part where she's captured on the scroll ship, like that—that that sort of playback montage—I liked a little bit more the second time around.
1: Yeah, because it's 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 fun. Like I think when we when it was, for me at least when I first watched it, I wanted to feel more, like, not energy, but more kind of tense. I wanted to feel more pressure, yeah. like her trying to get out. Like these are monsters. You wanted there to be greater stakes. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know she's running around with these giant things on her hand, and then she goes and has to go grab her boots because she doesn't like running barefoot. Is that a Die Hard reference? It might be. Yeah, feels like it. We'll say it is. Yeah, I'm. Uh, but yeah, you know, it it feels like it's it should be a sense of tension mm-hmm. for the viewer, and it's not. And the second time through, you're like, oh no, this is this is kind of funny. Like this is yeah we get it's our first glimpse at seeing how strong carol is
0: this is true yeah really seeing that power mm-hmm. come through a little bit um but yeah, i mean once they get on earth it's really it's i'm not gonna say it's pacey necessarily like it has slow points but i wasn't bored mm-hmm. like i was re-watching i was bored up to get to earth but then from that point on it's it's pretty good actually it's really good again we talked about this last time but it, the chemistry between her and fury is like
1: it's so good it's so so good mm-hmm. um, and it I think we might have brought this up when we did a review it's it's great when you see a uh, platonic relationship in, in film yeah because we don't get that very often almost almost never no um Oh, yeah, because we talked about
0: this, I think, on the Shazam episode, too, that both Shazam and Captain Marvel are all about friendships and, like, family and relationships and not about romance, which is nice, because, like, that's how things happen. Mm I don't know. Did you have any more, like – I have other little thoughts here, but I also remembered I was going to try and pull up some of the the stuff people sent us about the movie, which I forgot to do Uh, beforehand. Well,
1: I was – I think I told you this before. I was very dumb and erased all my notes (laughs) – you know, they're probably still on there. You know that, no, right? No, because I, I don't make a new note every time. I have the same Tim Talk um, note page and just, just go back and, you know, just erase everything and add new notes. Because, you know, I'm dumb like that. <clears throat> but I, I, I vaguely remember all the, all the things. Uh, I got very nitpicky in my, in my second time viewing because okay. one of my one of my questions, you did. That's right. You had a lot of very specific things. Yeah. One of my nitpicks was when they're on the first alien planet hunting down the scrolls. Yeah. Why can't they understand the natives? If they have universal translators. Yes. Okay, that's fair. Because that doesn't make sense. I mean, it, no, it doesn't. My m- me trying to justify that it could be that the universal universal translator only works for a certain level of civilization, and maybe they're just too. Primitive to translate, mm-hmm. um, but then you know that whole illusion's kind of broken when they pull a gun out. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just making some notes here about um, who I want to talk about. Um, I mean, this is initially where the the question of how is flying work. It started with this episode, with this movie. But this one, it makes sense. Yes, yeah, because she mm-hmm. she's propelling herself. Mm-hmm. It's like well, the the question is more: what's the most aerodynamic? body position for flying through the air because the, the like one arm up one arm kind of to the side doesn't feel the most aerodynamic. I mean, I would think that the most aerodynamic way to fly would be the
0: position divers put themselves in when they hit the water. Yeah. 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 The, like um, you are, you are trying to uh, have like the, the minimal surface area in contact with um, a fluid. Mm hmm. Don't be gross.
1: Yeah with the, with the, yeah, with the fluid substance. Yeah,
0: because at the end of the day, like air and water are both uh, fluids in terms of their mechanics. So yeah, the, the most aerodynamic way to fly would be to minimize your, your surface area. So you want your hands extended out in front of you and you would want the, your arms extended and your hands extended. So that way, the, it's a small point that's breaking through the liquid, the mm-hmm. fluid, and rather than having the fist. It's much more aerodynamic that way. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: You're right. Thank you. I know I am. I know. I'm trying to like drag out some of my old physics. <laughs> no, you're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I mean that I mean yeah, this was the initial point of my question of how 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 flight works, if yeah. it's more of a buoyancy thing or more of a gra- if there's still gravity in, in play. And with I mean, her, it, it seems I mean yeah, she she has a she's using energy to keep her up.
0: Yes. Um yeah, I guess, For I mean, obviously gravity's still in play there. She's using her own energy. And I, it seems that she's able to generate her own sort of containment field because the very last shot, it's her without a helmet on in space. Mm-hmm. So she's able to survive in space without needing to breathe. I mean, her
1: power is from the space stone. That's true. So.
0: Well, well, but it might also have to do with physiology. Like Thor was able to survive out in space mm-hmm. without the need of a suit. Um, but that's not true for everyone, obviously, because as we saw in Guardians, some people do need it. Yes.
1: Yeah, even the son of... Even someone who can hold a, an, an Infinity Stone still can't necessarily breathe in space. Yeah, can still succumb to that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't think he can hold it by himself very long. No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think they said that. like he, he was able to hold it for a bit by himself. Yeah, but then he needed the team. But he needed the rest of the team, because they're the Guardians of the goddamn galaxy. Mm-hmm. So how many... Th- stone's can thor hold probably just one but it probably he can probably hold it by himself
0: uh well i think it depends on the stone right like i think the thing with the power stone is that since its whole thing is that it's power you are it's harder to hold on your own possess mm-hmm. on your own um because we see multiple characters Well, hang on. Who in all, in Captain Marvel, who actually
1: holds the Tesseract? She does, obviously. Well, holding the Tesseract is different because that's a containment source. Yeah. You're never actually holding the, only Thanos has held the stone. That's true. Well,
0: I guess the reality stone, no one ever held it, Mm -hmm. but Jane was able to possess it or possessed her. Yes. And it was slowly killing her. I don't remember. I haven't seen the Dark World in a long time. Yeah, no one wants to go back to that. Um... Let's see. Vision never holds the stone, but obviously it can reside within him, and he's fine. I'm trying
1: to think of the other ones.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one touched the soul stone. So that that's that's soul mind is in vision. Tesseract holds space power. We've seen reality. We've seen
2: time. Time
1: is in yeah is in another containment field. We never see him directly touch. Ah, I think in. Infinity War he does because he has it hidden in the pocket dimension. Oh, that's right. Yeah,
0: because Thanos destroys the um, what was it the Eye of The Eye of Agamotto. Thank you. And then Strange does this like voila mm-hmm. thing and I think mm-hmm. at that point he's holding it. Which is it.
1: interesting because that's the same move that Loki does with the Tesseract. Oh, that's I true. Do you think it's the same pocket dimension? I think it is. Yeah. How much stuff is in there?
0: <laughs> it's it's kind of like the Room of Requirement from Harry
1: Potter. Mm-hmm. It's just the pocket dimension of requirement. Yeah. Whatever you need it to be it will be. There was a there was a really funny I know you don't you don't play D anD D, there was a really funny D anD D joke that a moderator uh, a a, um, a dungeon master was talking about, uh, where you could have two pocket dimensions in the same universe, mm-hmm. and if they ever collided, it would blow up the universe they were being held in. Um, Why? I, I don't remember. Does not make sense? Um, so he was talking about in a campaign. He had, um, he was trying, they were trying to capture a beast, and so they tied a bag of infinite holding to an arrow, and he shot it at the beast, and he rolled uh, a nat one, which is the worst thing you can roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, the bag of holding went into another bag of holding, and it just caused the entire universe to blow up, and everyone died.
0: And the whole campaign ended? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic,
1: actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: See, you had me completely
1: tuned out until the very end of that story. I'm like,
0: oh, that's a cool story, actually.
1: Oh, this is why D&D is clever. It took a minute of setup to get to the the fun part of that story. (gasps) The whole campaign explodes. That's the whole problem with (laughs) D&D. Everything takes a bit of setup before the fun starts.
0: Yeah, but I do love that idea that like through chance, that situation can come about, and the whole campaign gets ruined. Mm -hmm. And all the characters, Like, if they start a new campaign, it had to be new characters. Yeah. That's new fantastic. character, new world. That's the whole world is gone. I, I love that actually. <laughs> I love that they accidentally broke their D and D world. Yeah, that's awesome. The power of the Nat one. Yeah, um, but no, I, I think like the big thing I really noticed this time around was how much I liked Carol's arc, mm-hmm. and I think again it helps since you already know it. You can like look at these things, but you know she basically spends um, so much of her life that we see through flashback plus her time in the the Star Starforce basically being um, told by everybody else in particular men who she should be like Mm -hmm. what kind of person she should be how she should do things you know don't feel use your head Um, basically they're all trying to make her adhere to the rules that they've established right right Um, you know it's like her dad getting after her for like oh you shouldn't be driving so crazy or you know when she's in the training camp jumping through the roads it's all like the male cadets that are making fun of her and she keeps sort of like failing because she is trying to make herself fit into a world where the rules have been set by men essentially man's world yeah and like at the very you know it takes the course of the film but especially her uh relationship with maria rambo who reminds her, like no you are this incredible person on your own that by the end when she breaks free she's like oh i'm no longer gonna try and fit into your your established rules. Mm-hmm. And that kind of culminates in that fantastic moment where Jude Law, like, you know, puts the gun away and okay, now fight me on my terms. She's like, no, she just no, blasts him. It. like, I it's won't do this t- anymore. Yeah. Um, and being able to pick up on that more thoroughly, knowing that trajectory roughly and then seeing the signposts made me really appreciate it that much more. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. <clears throat> it's so good. It is. Did, did we talk about the the background actor? Um, I don't know if we did. Who who made that really funny video that he connects all the worlds? Oh, you okay? Yes. Did we talk about that on air? Because I, I know I talked to you about it already. I, maybe if not, re- remind I'll do us. it very briefly. If we have talked about it before, um, there was a, a, an actor who's who's been a background actor in a bunch of things, mm-hmm. and so he made a video. I assume it's his real, yeah, but the joke video about how he connects every universe of film ever, mm-hmm. uh, and so he's in. He's one of the. Um, in, in the scene where she keeps falling from the ropes and military. Okay. He's, he's in that scene. Uh, and so he like shows that he shows that he's like in the background of price is right. And like, they're connected and he's in the background of, of some other, you know, like, um, like this is us. He's in, mm-hmm. in that. And like, it's, it's all connected. So fantastic. It's, it's a very clever thing yeah. for a background actor. You got them all together. Mm hmm. Um, it's very funny. I, I recommend everyone go and find that cause it's, Send me the, oh, uh, sends me and I'll, I'll put mm-hmm. it in the show
0: notes. Um, what was I was going to say, oh, but I think some of the moments that didn't land for me the first time landed harder the second time around. So in particular, when, uh, they've gone up to Marvell's lab and she's been captured and she's once again put into the, um, Supreme intelligence, uh, that montage of her standing up The first time around It just didn't quite gel For, for whatever reason It definitely did this time mm-hmm. Maybe because again I was a little more in tune To her arc um, But certainly when we see her Like fully powered up For the first time Again it's a trailer shot But it worked for me It's such a around. good scene my, It my, is a really good My problem shot. with
1: that one is The music didn't match The visuals I'd agree with that Yeah Because I wanted they, There's like a, a Three minute stint Because I, I know Like the I'm just a girl song Is about to start Yeah but that's so late in this fight that there's time for a whole nother song before that starts. And like, you know, the score is good, but I feel like you need a better punch when she first comes to full power. Yeah. And, and Marvel's oftentimes really, really
0: good at that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you look at, I mean, I think one of the best examples is Thor Ragnarok when he, he finally kind of like, Refines his powers And it cuts back To Immigrant Song Like bringing that song Back around from the beginning Like him once again At full strength And when he's like Slowly Heading towards The bridge From the side And all the lightning Is around him Like It's a perfect pairing Of visuals and music Or you know They've gotten really good About strategically inserting The Avengers theme In places You think Mm -hmm. about like The first reveal of Cap In Infinity War um, I mean, going back even all the way to the very beginning of the, uh, you know, I am Iron Man and cutting to the music there. Like they got really good at that. Yeah. And I would agree that, um, they don't make that as much of a moment as maybe they could have.
1: Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's a huge moment and especially all through her standing up, you can, you, you can do a good build up song. Yeah. And then she's like, you know, I don't need you. <clears throat> she crash, she crushes it. And then you start the headbanger. Yeah. And because then it then it's like a full action scene for the next couple minutes. It's her running through the building. It's them trying. It's the the Kree trying no, the scrolls trying to escape at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when uh, the cat eats the people. Oh yeah. Um, goose the flurkin. Yeah, goose. Thank you. It's like there's so much action happening there, and the music just doesn't match the intensity of what's happening on screen. And that that's I think that was kind of my biggest problem. With that scene, maybe in the whole movie, that was my biggest mm-hmm. problem is, is they had great song. Like, the second time listening through, I appreciated the soundtrack a lot more. Same. But it just needed like two more song songs. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It
0: needed just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. Here, here's a thought about the MCU in general. Okay. For me, pretty much all of these movies, the more I watch them, the more I appreciate them. Yes. Like, I will come out of them and be like, that was fine. I'll go back to them like, well, actually, no, that was, like, really, really good. Like, I think maybe this one for me had, like, a greater delta than some of the other ones. Like, I definitely liked Infinity War coming out of it the first time, despite all the fucking tweens around us.
1: Um, but, well, I think, I think that plays a big part in something that I, I talk about a lot, but that's mm-hmm. theater experience. Theater
0: experience does make a huge difference, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially to, out here. Yes.
1: Because, you know, having one person can ruin a movie. Absolutely. And because that was my thing with Shazam, one of the things that drove me crazy when watching it for the first time was we were right in front of the walkway to get in and out, mm-hmm. and all I could do because there were so many people getting up throughout that movie, yeah. And that's also why I sit so far forward is so I don't see those people. That actually does, kind of and make make there was sense, there yeah. was a group. They're like, for the first 20 minutes of the movie, there was a group of like five or six people just walking back and forth. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't w- focus on the movie at all. Cause I'm just like, just sit the fuck down. I know. <laughs> just focus. And it's not even, you know, that's something that's not even meant to be distracting, but like I. But it can be. Yeah. But do you, do you think. And what was the movie we saw? Oh, Lego Movie 2. Where the, the woman behind us was, was narrating, narrating oh, the whole thing for herself. Yeah. That was particularly bad. Yeah. Also the movie was not particularly good. Mm-hmm.
0: But do you do you think with Marvel like that they are so good at what they do that you can't really appreciate it
1: in one viewing? Um, I or do you, I think that's part of it? I think uh, we can't help but put expectations on films. This is true. Um, and you know we we look forward to these movies for months, sometimes years. Yeah. And not many of them can live up to those standards. That's true. I think Infinity War, for me, was the closest a film has ever come to live up to standards. That, that movie. Because I've I mentioned that I did my strategic rewatch here. And
0: that movie fell under, like... I think I ended up listing it as one of my favorites. Let me, mm-hmm. let me go back. And I think, it, yeah, it's, it's top three for me. Uh, MCU. Okay, yeah, I put it under my favorites category. Okay, now i got to think about... Okay, I would definitely put... Okay, I'm, I'm adding Captain Marvel here. I'm going to throw this in in my enjoy. Yeah, I would, I would say that. So I have it broken down to favorites, movies that I love, enjoy, good, and okay. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but my favorites, Iron Man, the Avengers, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War. Mm -hmm. And then there's some I didn't rewatch. Like I didn't rewatch Black Panther. I didn't rewatch Doctor Strange. Um, Those would probably fall some like, I think Black Panther might be a love. Doctor Strange probably an
1: enjoy. Um, The lowest on my list right now is Iron Man 3. Which I remember rewatching and enjoying it a lot more now because I I had only watched it once in theaters. Okay, I
0: I enjoyed it significantly less going for a rewatch. There's just too much. It's okay. just it's like. Three but you liked films. it the first time you watched. I did. And okay, I think, so that, I think, that's the difference. I think I've had diminishing return on that one because especially now it just feels so disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the one of the problems maybe with this uh, franchise, this overall universe, this franchise is that. They've gotten so good at what they do that when you go back, they're when they're figuring stuff out, it becomes more apparent. Yes, like I still quite like Age of Ultron, but it definitely doesn't hold together the same way the other ones do. Um, but no, I, I think Captain Marvel,
1: like it's definitely better than I give it credit to the first time yeah. around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah so, yeah, so what I was saying was, I think uh, personal bias plays a huge part on first viewing, if yes, you want it to be. We want it to be amazing. Yes, and expect. especially with Marvel, because you know we've have every other studio is just not living up. They're our last hope. Yeah. Like, mm. actually, hang on. Let's, I don't want to say last hope because they were first anyway. But no, but let's let's take a look
0: at this here. So t- the of the major franchises, mm-hmm. Marvel is the only one that had. Well, I'm, okay, I'm gonna say Captain Marvel is is really good. It's better than I gave it credit for the first time. Every other, like, major franchise, their last film was disappointing. Shazam was good. Okay, fine. I'll give you Shazam was good. They just have so much shit in the background. But it's like, um, I mean, obviously, X-Men Apocalypse, Mm -hmm. terrible. Uh, I quite like Star Trek Beyond, but it kind of hit or miss for some people. Spectre, not good. Um, oh you're you're just going through. Like I'm talking all about like franchises. like all the major franchises okay. that are existing right now a lot of the recent efforts from most of them have been less like the last film they made for the most part has been like on the lesser side of things. Gotcha. Right? I'm trying to think what other major ones are out there. Star Wars obviously was mm-hmm. solo.
1: Um I don't know. I'm blanking other franchises yeah. right now. Um The Mummy, The Dark Universe. Dark universe. Um, I mean, Kong Skull Island was surprisingly Actually, that good. Was good. I like yeah. that one a lot. Yeah, because that one, the sequel comes out the next few weeks.
0: Well, no. So we got we get Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, and then at some point we're getting Kong versus Godzilla. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's same universe. So yeah. I, I meant yeah. The next okay, one that's that fair. Yeah, is Skull Island. I, I, I like, like, like
1: the, the first King Godzilla Monsters. too. I still haven't seen that one. It's pretty solid. I've sort of heard. I don't know if you need to go back to it though. Yeah, I mean, I will. Because yeah, because I hate myself. <laughs> you're a completist and
0: a masochist mm-hmm. but I know I, I think you're right a I think, complete masochist. yeah, a complete masochist. I think you're right that bias plays a role in this. yeah, and that I think in the same way where we have low expectations for DC. so we're forgiving John them. Wick. okay, never mind. John Wick <laughs> just continues to get better and better. yeah, John Wick three. I know uh, sorry you were saying oh, just I think. With Marvel, our expectations are always so high, so they come in a little bit less for the first time.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, pretty and then once once we kind of balance out expectations, yeah, then I okay, yeah, it's better than I expected.
0: Yeah, once I already know what I'm getting, I'm able to go in and like find more
1: mm-hmm. and
0: appreciate things more. Yeah, because
1: I think for me, like I want it to be you know Winter Soldier level. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot higher chance that it's going to be, un- you know, because if we put it on a number scale, Winter Soldiers are like a 98, 99. Oh, yeah, that's that's way high up on my list um, there. So there's clearly a much higher chance it's going to be under that percent than above that percent. That's, that's true, yeah.
0: But like, I mean, even most of them, you know, like Guardians 2, like I didn't really love the first time around. And then I went back for a rewatch. Like, I really, really liked it. it okay. Made me cry, that, That's
1: like, one, because that's one I don't think I've rewatched since. The first. Viewing. It's
0: it's worth going back. I mean, because I didn't rewatch Guardians in this run, but I did rewatch any movies that I had only seen once. So I rewatched Ant Man versus the Wasp, which again I was like, this is fun. Okay. It's enjoyable, and I rewatched Spider Man, which is like, oh, this is really good. I yeah, I've, I've rewatched Spider
1: Man since then, and it's it's so good.
0: It is yeah, it's really fantastic. I think. Michael Keaton. Just, God, Michael Keaton, you're I mean, so good at everything you do. He is amazing. Um, but I also have some, some notes here from other people. Could oh, we, please, please read. We did, we did send out a call like a month ago. Yeah, I have a lot here from Maddie.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready. See,
0: I told you I'd come to it eventually, Maddie. So, All right, my thoughts on Captain Marvel. The film did a great job blending the period piece film of Captain America and the small scale stakes of other phase one films with the cosmic side and tone of things we've seen in later films, such as Guardians and Ragnarok. I think that's pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the story was so much about the mystery aspect you guys kept returning to, but more or less the humanity of Carol herself, and that being reflected through the skull, scroll, excuse me, twist. I think people have preconceived notions about both Carol and the scrolls going in, and this crushed both of those. Also very fair. Uh, Before the film came out, Brie Larson kept being criticized for showing lack of emotion, but all throughout the film we see her exhibit emotions ranging from joy to confusion to grief over her loss, etc., Uh, I find it fascinating how the film dealt with both the trope that women are over-emotional as well, that they don't show enough emotion and need to smile more. To me, it didn't feel like it beat one over the head with it, but it laid out the puzzle pieces for the more toxic side of the fandom to hopefully realize that their approach to how women should act is absurd. Uh, The soundtrack was fan-fucking-tastic, and I couldn't help but smile with every musical cue and definitely had to stop myself from singing along at times. I think that's all very fair. Yes. Um... And then let's see what else we got here. They did such a good job tying together the continuity of the pre established universe between making Marvell part of Project Pegasus, which Tony confirmed his father would be a part of in Iron Man 2. Oh, did he? I don't remember that. That's cool. And it was also uh, where the test wreck was housed, the Avengers. Carol being transformed from oh, with Cree blood in a similar manner to Coulson in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., her power inhibitor being similar to the one used in S.H.I.E.L.D. Colson on actually coming into contact with Kree and thus keeping his surprise of their existence in S.H.I.E.L.D. intact. Didn't even think about that either. <laughs> uh, Ronan learning the Tesseract in this film, setting up motive for his alliance with Thanos. Oh, that's a really good point, actually. And implying he may have been the one to have informed him of his presence on Earth in Avengers, and even small stuff like using the same font as Guardians of the Planet edifications. Mm-hmm. It all just feels like it was natural in the universe and helped flesh it out more. I didn't even think about that, actually. That, that would tee up Ronan to be the person... Potentially, who tipped off Thanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and set that whole thing in motion, anyways.
1: Well, yeah, he's a little crybaby. He got his little
0: crybaby. Yeah. Well, and they're also setting up maybe his return in a Captain Marvel 2 war it set between.
1: Between the, yeah, because he, he blew up in Guardians.
0: Well, that, yeah. And then also, but at the end of it, he's like, we're going to come back for the weapon. The guy's like, oh, the Tesseract? He's like, no, 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 for the woman. Mm -hmm. So it's where we might see her go up against him again at some point, which I'm fine with that. I like Lee Pace. Yeah. He's cool. Um, Okay, there's more (gasps) here.
1: What if, we didn't know this, but in Guardians 1, Carol was on that planet that that, um, Ronan was so... Xandar, yeah.
0: Oh, the where the Novacore is. Mm-hmm.
1: If she were, then yeah, she clearly would have.
0: She would have jumped him. into the fight. She, <laughs> yeah, I mean, she because they were fighting against one of those accuser ships mm-hmm. in Guardians and having a hard time taking it down. She took out two of them with <laughs> barely batting an eye. Yeah, so that, that's very true. <laughs> I think she might be off somewhere else, uh, being shoehorned. But in he, a, he's trying to get her attention. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I would love to see him return. I think the crew are interesting. So. Okay, there's still more Okay I get that some of the humor Could feel overplayed Like the slow No connection joke uh, Used three times Like the dial-up sort of mm-hmm. thing um, But at the same time That's how those scenes Would have played out Realistically, fair uh, I suppose that they could have Cut out the uh, Collect call one But slow internet And slow loading Literally needs to be there Other than the one Repetitious joke so the humor Was great without feeling Like the forced Whoopie stuff Marvel's been known for I think that's true Because I think a lot Of the humor relies On the chemistry Of the, the leads mm-hmm. Like they just have Great banter Yes, absolutely. I think this actually has some of the best banter. Um, Like, the most natural back and forth that we've seen in the MCU. Because sometimes it can get a little weed in other
1: places, and it didn't feel (laughs) that way here. I mean, yeah, I think that... I think it's just... Letting Sam Jackson talk to someone like a normal person. That's true. He's not just Mr. Exposition. He actually mm-hmm. gets to be his own person. Or just he just doesn't talk down to everyone. I mean that's all he does is talk down to everyone else. Yeah,
0: everyone else around him is an idiot. Mm-hmm. He got to be the idiot this time. Right. But Which but still fun. think
1: he's the smartest one. Yeah. And that's what makes it so fun. I think that's what makes the banter fun. Yeah. Is there's not the same power struggle that's in most conversations where one is trying to overpower the other. Mm-hmm. It's one is trying to prove how much power they have without realizing how much power the other one has.
0: Yeah. There's like a mutual respect thing going on there. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Like they both recognize their limitations, but also their strengths and mm-hmm. just like develop a trust really quickly, which is fun. Uh, let's see the homages to nineties culture were so fun without being on the nose. Like her, uh, veers to star command homage to toy story. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or the dogfight being almost exactly out of Independence Day. Very true.
1: Both, which came out in 96.
0: That, uh, really yeah, take good place. point. And uh, God damn it, I loved. that they said continuity be damned and threw in the Mall Rats joke despite Stan literally talking about his hand in Spider-Man, Hulk, Fantastic Four, and X-Men in that film. Uh, it's super touching that the first cameo after he passed is a reference to his first film cameo, which is true. Yeah.
1: And when I ba- went back and watched the And one might time, say his best film cameo. And by some, I say me. By <laughs> you never actually seen mall it's it's i think it's worth a watch i'll, I'll go back and check it out at some point i like kevin smith
0: mm-hmm. um but i remember mentioning that he felt glossy and i think i i was worried
1: yeah that i he, definitely did not see that i time.
0: definitely still saw it okay. i was worried that maybe they had done like a bit of a cgi recreation i think it's him but i think they did try to do some de-aging on him yeah it just didn't look particularly good um I don't think I agree with Cameron's assessment that there was a need for an air bud <laughs> moment either. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was very refreshing getting to see her just outright say, nah, fuck you to yon Rog without having to have some huge internal
1: turmoil in the final act. Mm-hmm. What was, what was the moment you wanted to have the, the air bud? I didn't want it in the final scene. I wanted it when she first realizes who she is. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it, even, even on second viewing, I did see the story a little clear clearer. Um, but still I want since they both messed with her memory, I just wanted like a few little snippets of when she's because it's all happening in her head, uh, when she's remembering everything, mm-hmm. but just snipping in the memories that um the Cree put in her. Yeah. Where it's, you know, she sees a Cree ship and then for like a few frames it, it switches between a Cree ship and a scroll ship. And you you see her like still fighting the two forces. Okay. Just like very still briefly. Still going and then, back and forth. Yeah. And then ending with her fully accepting the truth. Oh, okay. Cause that's still a very hard thing for her to, I, I understand that, that we're playing way too much into the mystery of it all, mm-hmm. but it for a mind movie like this, like that's still such a big part for her to just reject everything that's in her head. The only thing that's in her head. She has no memories of before this moment. Mm-hmm. So that's all she has to remember. Okay, like she she kind of abandons everything a little bit quickly? Yes. Mm. <clears throat> and I think just even if it's just a few seconds of not struggle, but like having to over you know, having to override the memory she already has. Mm-hmm. Where we see, you know, the Cree Ship jumps to a scroll ship, jumps back to a Cree Ship. We see Yanrog come out. No, we I think we see the scroll come out and then it ends with Yonrog. Mm-hmm. Um and then she's like okay yeah th- this this is real okay yeah i could see something like mm-hmm. that just something not her. something even like super overplayed Literally yeah. just frames of of like a data glitch yeah just yeah, okay yeah like having that not just showing
0: that scene as it actually happened when it comes around the second time but actually have like on screen the visual the transition of like all the pieces are starting to fall into play. Yes. like she sees the scroll and then it's the realize oh it's not actually that it's going to be yonrog mhm okay yeah i could see yeah. that yeah. Also, there should be a newspaper. Um, a newspaper. Airbud. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He beats the dog with a newspaper. No, Ward should be in
1: clown makeup. <laughs> Would it make <laughs> sense for the person not shape, not shape shifting, to be in makeup? No, but he's gonna. <laughs> he was coming from his nephew's party. There was. Oh, is there more? Yeah, there's more. Okay. Uh, also, well, I get where
0: you're coming from with hoping that there were lesbian undertones with Maria. But I think it was refreshing that there was no love interest subplot to the film. Agreed. Uh, the whole plot was all about Carol defining herself and throwing in romantic subplots would have just taken away from that. Also agreed. As for Secret Invasion, four scrolls came to Earth. Only three ended up accounted for by the end. Uh, Talos Scrollson, which is a fantastic name, <laughs> and Scroll not a Science Guy, aka Scroll Carol. Good, good. <laughs> Worth it just for that. Uh, the fourth one never actually showed up uh, after being chased down to the subway station. It's possible he met back up off screen,
1: but there's no actual confirmation. That's true. So while the Skull Race is set up to be sympathetic here. Well, one one is still trying to pick, still to this day, is trying to pick figure out another one. identity. <laughs> another identity. Pick. Yeah, because he, he picked the same one as... As Talos. Uh, yeah. As Mendo. Uh, but yeah, so there's definitely
0: something, there's the possibility there that some of them aren't as sympathetic um, he says, I don't know. I definitely think this film was done so well and I had fun the whole way through, which honestly, from the promotional material, I wasn't sold. But wow, I really can't get this one out of my head after seeing it. So nice. no, that's, I think it's all very true. Like all really good points overall, just across the board. I was much warmer on it mm-hmm. a second time around. I'm glad I went back to go Same. see it. So, well, you also got more nitpicky too,
1: I but did. also understandable. But, but that, that was more just like me questioning the film being made unless." the story of it. Yeah. Cause I think the other nitpick was, um, we see when scrolls transform, they also can transform their clothes. Yo, but yeah. And when, when Skrullson dies in the car wreck, he's still in, he turned, his skin turns back to scroll, but he's still wearing Colson's suit.
0: Yeah. Also, I noticed this time around that randomly, uh, Talos, when he shows up in Louisiana is wearing his normal scroll attire, but then also a blazer.
1: Yeah. It was like, what? That's just Mendo, which is what he brought Why? to set that day. <laughs> his lucky blazer. Yeah. Uh but there was one other scene that I think is definitely is meant for the rewatch because it it, it really gives a, a bigger emotional punch. Mm-hmm. And it's when they first make it onto Marvel's ship. Um we don't know the motivation for anyone except for getting the the, the energy source, the tesseract. Yeah. But when Mendo walks on board, he picks up a baseball and runs into the yes. next room. Yeah, I noticed that too, yeah. Which didn't make sense on first viewing, but then you realize it's because he knows his kid is there. Yeah.
0: I think these movies are made so
1: intricately mm-hmm. that I think they're kind of designed to be seen multiple times. I think I think there might be a see maybe just a couple seconds of something in the beginning with Mendo, not not to give it away because I like the idea that that he's looking for his kid. Yeah, but maybe something about like we have to find the others. Mm-hmm. Just just one other just small little nod that like he has, he has other plans. He has something else. Like, stake yeah, like here. the energy source is his main priority, but there's something he's not telling us. Like, yeah. There's something he's still hiding from Carol. Cause then I, that would, then that would kind of, you know, make the audience still a little like questiony with the scrolls.
0: Oh, okay. Like you, you want him to be a little bit suspect, we you want us as an audience to know that maybe he has some other agenda as mm-hmm. they're heading to this lab without knowing what it is. Yes. I I I ge- want this film to be a mystery. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get I get that. I think that would have undercut the emotional arc. Um, when because I think at that point, Carol is inclined to want to believe him. Um, you know, like certainly after realizing that her her memories were fake and that the scrolls weren't the villain all along, you know, certainly she's carrying around that guilt. Um, and so I think when they show up on Marvel's lab, I think at that point she already kind of wants to believe him. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that works a little bit better for her to be gearing up towards a more empathetic moment than rather than once again being like proven wrong but being yeah. suspicious.
1: Okay, I agree with that.
0: So. Um, but yeah, that's, that's like lots of other notes on Captain Marvel here, but yeah. again, uh, much better second time around. Exactly. So, okay. Uh, real quick. We have some other notes from friends. Perfect. Uh, all right. I actually got a question for you here, Cameron. Oh no. Uh, all right. So Daniel Calcanio, I think I said that right, uh, on Twitter was asking, uh, basically he was tagging the DC universe. He's like, what are the chances you can get George Newbern to re-record the Superman part in the call? Um, to offer it up on DC Universe. Uh, he's always been a little bit put off by Christopher McDonald, voice Super Superman. He wanted to know what our thoughts were. If we would like to see uh, the voice performance in The Call, the episode we just did, mm-hmm. redone with George Newbern from
1: Justice League rather than keeping it as Christopher McDonald. Um, I d- don't really care. No? Really? not that No? No. I'm sorry. I mean, like, I, I can... I mean, I'm a much more visual person than an audio person. Yeah. So if I see the character, they all kind of sound the same in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. I'll I'll kind of put my own, internally, I'll put my own voice on it.
0: Okay, so you didn't find it, like, distracting that it was a different person? Not really. Okay. See, I'm actually glad they did that because, and we forgot to mention this last week, but that voice actor, Christopher McDonald, voiced JorEl. In oh. the pilot for Superman Animated series. That's awesome. So, the idea of Clark just kind of getting older and older and then. Yeah, our
1: Kryptonian is maturing.
0: Exactly. Yeah, like bringing some kind of some elements of his, his father in there. Uh, I actually quite like that okay. thing in there.
1: Oh, yeah, I like that a lot now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We should have mentioned it last week. I forgot. But I think I actually like that voice performance. And uh, so, there you go, Daniel. I would keep it. That was for me? That's for both of us. Okay. You just want to know what we thought. Okay. But I already saw the questions. <laughs> I was throwing it to you. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, and then another thing real fast, more stuff from Maddie here. Good old Maddie. Uh, I don't think we ever actually talked about all the connections between Justice League versus the Fatal Five and Harley Quinn, right? We were trying to figure them out in the episode, but I don't think we ever went back and actually listed them because he sent us all the connection points.
1: Between Fatal Five and Justice League? And in, uh, and Batman Harley. and Harley
0: Quinn, right? Because like the two... Post dcau films that may be set in that continuity, gotcha. we were speculating. Oh, are they both in there? What's going on? Okay. Um, and so he said, uh, for Batman or Harley Quinn, not only are the character models reused, but Hal was first introduced as a current DC. Okay, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, as a current DCAU Lantern via that film, albeit in a super babe's Easter egg. Oh, I don't know what that is. Um, which is a pretty weak connection. Oh, the Argus, they have same uniforms he says Pudding Night is Arkham and is Thursday the clown loves Pudding Harley constantly refers to Joker as Pudding Joker loves Harley so why is it Pudding Night on Arkham because it's Thursday Mm -hmm. I get it and I guess Bruce Tid said in the the commentary this is kind of weird since the last time we saw her she was a good guy and now she's a bad guy in regards to jumping from one to the other yeah Um, but yeah I mean I I think those are definitely connected gotcha And then he also had a recommendation for you in terms of talking about how things fly, which I forgot to mention last time. But I watched his recommendation. We'll talk about it in Bat Plugs. Okay. Which is happening right now. Cameron, what are your Bat Plugs?
1: I I did not prepare for this. Sorry. How did you not prepare for this? I forgot we did it every time for the past 116 episodes. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump in then. Please do. So, Maddie's recommendation was for us, you in particular, to check out the... Episode of Ask the Storybots, which is a kid's show, a kid's educational program on Netflix. Uh, and there's an episode all about how airplanes fly where Kevin Smith guest stars in it. Oh, And so basically, like, the structure of this show is that they'll record an actual, like, live-action child asking question like, how do airplanes fly? And then these little animated characters, like, try and figure it out, and they can't figure it on their own. They jump into the real world to go and get an answer. Gotcha. So, like, oh, well, why don't we go talk to this, like, super awesome guy, this very, like, Superman-esque character played by Kevin Smith, because he can fly. He'll know how airplanes fly. So they go and talk to him. And the cool thing is, is they actually explain to kids how superheroes can fly on screen. Like, they explain that Kevin Smith is just, like, laying on top of a couple of green screen stools, and then they edit around him to make it look like he's flying. Okay. Which is kind of cool that they would explain that to kids, because I remember...
1: Yeah, break their hopes and dreams are always possible.
0: Well, but I think... What it might actually be a reference to is, even just really obtusely, is I don't know if you recall from um, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was in this. Maybe I saw it somewhere else. But that was the thing that Mr. Rogers got really upset about was like there was some kid who either accidentally killed himself or got really hurt trying to jump out a second second story window. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because of the movie Superman. Because the kids didn't realize that's something you couldn't do. And so, like, this is. A show now explaining to young kids how things that are impossible in the real world can still be seen on camera, which I Mm -hmm. thought was kind of fun. Okay. Um, but they actually do a really good explanation of how airplanes fly. Like they break it down into the four forces of like lift, gravity, drag, and thrust. Nice. And I was like, this is actually like a really, really good version of like explaining
1: oh, is that is that Bernoulli? Yeah, Bernoulli's principle. Bernoulli's principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: was, I was quite impressed with it. Wait, so, Where to pull that word back out? I know, right? It's buried in there, yeah. deep in the bowels of my brain. Um, but yeah, good pull, Maddie. Also, how did you find this show? <laughs> so curious. Uh, so that's one of my uh, one of my plugs. Also, it's weird because Judy Greer voices one of the main characters, Aww. and whenever I think of her as a voice actor, I just think of Cheryl on <laughs> Archer.
1: And these are two very different characters. And I some, don't think There's so. some mental disconnect. Are they going to do the him. same crossover like they did with Bob's Burgers? <gasps> oh, that'd be so good.
0: Yeah, I don't think your character on Ask the Storybots is getting paddled. She's but. not, uh, she's not a, an aspiring country singer. <laughs> oh, that's such a... It's not a great season, but those songs are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are mine. I also watched Edge of Seventeen. I love that movie. It's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's Haley um, Seinfeld
1: and uh, Woody Harrelson. Yeah. It's,
0: I mean, it's, it's very raw, very real. Like it basically addresses self-hatred and yeah. depression and self-loathing in a, in a, a very and, impactful, and, uh, realistic
1: way. And self blame, not, not victim blame, unless self, self blame, blame, um, survival is guilt. That's the word I'm thinking of. Oh, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's very, very funny,
0: but also it's really real. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really impressed by that. Um, and then the other thing I want to mention is I have taken up the One Punch Man Challenge.
1: You have, and I'm so proud of you. I have.
0: I uh, As of today, I've done four days. So the first first two days, I started at level four. So that would mean I did in circuits, 40 push-ups, 40 sit-ups, 40 squats, and then ran uh, four kilometers Day three, I upped it to five, and then today I dropped it back down to four to give myself a bit of a break. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because um, there's a YouTuber that that has a whole series about like, do anime workouts work? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and his note for, because he, he talked about the one punch, one punch Man workout probably two years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, and his note was, everything is possible, but take it easier on the running because that's what's going to injure you. Like, if you try, because the yeah. initial One Punch Man thing is, is a 10K run every day. Yeah. And clearly that's not possible. So he tried to do it for a month. Mm-hmm. And he said he made it like a week and a half when his legs were just like, not even just giving out on him. Like he was getting like horrible shin splints. Yeah. Uh, and like horrible ankle pain.
0: Yes. I mean, that is definitely it. It's like, be smart about it. So the, how this I'd say kind of started to go viral was this guy in Singapore, um, Sean Shea, who decided he was going to undertake this. And I think he started at like level four or five. Mm-hmm. But I liked that methodology of like, start out by doing an in increments and build up towards it. Cause you're absolutely right. Like I'm not, a super active runner. So I definitely started out low, like take it easy. And then there's a couple of active, like stretches I do. Like there's a really good, um, way to not get shin splints or mm-hmm. basically Like you stand on a, a step with your toes hanging over there and you just like bounce your feet up and down yeah. for a minute. Do that. Do like calf stretches. But certainly after the first couple of days, like I was feeling my legs, like my legs just hurt. Like the, the balls of my feet were hurting from the impact. Um, yeah, so be smart about it, but I mean, it's it's a good workout
1: though. Absolutely, like it basically does kind of cover all the major things you need. Yeah, and I, that, that's the joke of the show too, mm-hmm. is he's he's the ultimate fighter. Like no one, he's he's stronger than anyone in the world, and so you have this giant monster coming up to him. It's like, how did you gain this strength? Yeah, and he has a, a disciple who's following his every word. He's like, I have to know how you became this this monster. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, I did something no man should ever try. I did a hundred push-ups, a hundred sit-ups, a hundred squats, and a ten k run every day. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, that's that's just a normal workout. I had in that. Yeah. Like that doesn't explain anything.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty tough workout though. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. So I'm actually I'm gonna try and do it for
1: the whole thirty day thing. Yeah. So if you yeah. want other, I have I have other anime workouts. If you want to grow grow your yep. grow your uh, workout regime after this. I'm fine. <laughs>
0: I also have a really fantastic app that I normally use that I'm taking a break from. So okay. and I kind of miss it. I kind of miss
1: going to the gym a little bit. There's, there's Kenichi's workout. No, we don't need to. No, nope, Don't need to do it. Don't need to go there. <laughs> Unless those are your plugs. <laughs> no. Uh, no, so so in, in a similar worse vein than Edge of 17, I watched, um, what is it called? The Perfect Date. Oh, mm-hmm. wait. Worse vein? I mean, Edge Seventeen is really good. Yeah, Perfect Date's good, but not not to that level. Is it just like it seems like it be a bit breezier? Yeah, it, it's definitely a Netflix teen movie. Okay. It felt like um, I I think the Netflix teen movies are like a step above DComs at this point. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, because I mean, the peak being to all the boys I loved before. It's really good. It's not quite that level. Um, but okay. it's still good. It's it's worth a watch. It's okay. cute. Yeah, I mean. Noah Centineo is mm-hmm. charming And well. I love the uh, the lead girl in it a lot. She's okay. really
0: cool. I don't know if I know her.
1: She's not in a lot. The perfect date.
0: Uh, Laura Marano? Mm-hmm. Laura Marano, what have you done, my friend? Perfect date. A ladybird? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I... the
1: friend in Ladybird. Okay, I haven't seen that yet. Really, it's great. Yeah. Um, and there's a reason it was nominated. Okay, yeah. I don't really know any of the rest yeah, of the Yeah, was, she was a Disney star from the looks of it. She oh, okay, an
0: awesome, yeah. Yeah, she was on an episode of Girl Meets world mm-hmm.
1: Randy Cunningham, ninth grade ninja. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, she really is a Disney girl. She's Girl Meets World, um, Living Maddie, Jesse. Oh, she played young Sarah Silverman on the Sarah Silverman program. Oh, and that's awesome. True Jackson, oh, I remember that show. Oh, she's oh, she's young Becca, super bad, going way back there. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, she's she's adorable. Okay. Uh, yeah, the movie the movie's fun. It, worth, it's a nice, worth checking out. Yeah, it's a nice like, if you just need to turn your brain off, kind of movie. I always do. Yeah, it's a good one for that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's all you got? Uh, yeah, uh, all the Spy Kids movies. I rewatched those. Yeah, we're not going to count that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had a lot of work to do. All right, I needed something to keep me up. I mean, those will keep you up. Those they like will. fucking weird fever dreams. I hadn't seen Spy Kids three in so long, and it, it's it's how, not. I mean, how th- could
0: you have gone so long
1: without watching Spy Kids three? The I, one where they go into a video game. Yeah, Ugh. the one where they it's it's like peak bad three D when it's like things just flying out at you. Yeah, because wasn't it Spy Kids three D? Spy three D. Yeah, Spy Kids three D game over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. it's 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 a fun watch, just just for how many big names are in that movie. Oh, it's, it's crazy. Worth watching. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's it's, four Sylvester Stallones. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, it's still Rob Rodriguez. Like he can still pull those kind of people. <clears throat> the movie it's it's so fun. Like it's it's it hits the uh, the good bad category. Oh, okay. But they're not even spies at that point. No, not even a little bit. And it's great because even like Junie, the the main male spy, he quit the agency at the end of two. And so three, it opens up him trying to be like a kid private eye. It's it's great. Uh, yeah. I know you're shaking your head, but Elijah Wood is in it. Selma Hayek is in it. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's in it four times over. This is what I forget if I Alan Cunningham is back in it. If I don't stop you, you'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone that's been in the, mo- you, in the franchise before in one and two is back in this one.
0: You are just the juggernaut. I'm the Juggernaut. You'll just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> nothing can stand in your way. Well, Those I'm going to. I'm going to stop you now. Let us wrap up. All right, and be done with this. Uh, but if you uh, want to reach us, if you have any uh, questions for us or thoughts on Batman Beyond or Captain Marvel or the One Punch Man challenge or Spy Kids 3D, please direct all Spy <laughs> Kids questions to Chris. Uh, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and
1: Gmail. Uh, you can find me personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to see my face, you can find that at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. And if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter.
0: Boom, boom, boom! Yeah, yeah. we just a uh, bunch of good stuff up there now from your from Dapper, Dapper Day. Day. And, yeah, Dapper and Day. And our,
1: our trip to the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah.
0: oh, we haven't talked about that yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got to go to the Warner Brothers lot to go see the Game of Thrones premiere. Yeah, talk about that next time. It's really fucking cool. Um, I did say up front I was going to try and make this shorter episode. Didn't really happen. It's basically just as long as they always are. Um, and if you are finding these a little bit on the longer side and prefer them to be shorter, do let us know, uh, unless of course your name is Jason, in which case I already know they're too long for you. Shut the fuck up. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but anybody else, if you would kind of rather us try and be a little bit shorter on these things, let us know. We can work around that. Otherwise we will just keep talking so.
1: forever, forever and ever. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Thanks everybody. Bye.